Jake, the dynasty has been cemented. Mahomes' legacy is etched in stone. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions again. Back to back, the first time since the 03-04 Patriots. Jake, how do you feel about it? I mean, at least they have a more likable team. Tight end is still a goofball, just like it was with Gronk when the Patriots were at their peak. Andy Reid's a hell of a lot more likable than Bill Belichick ever. And Mahomes is probably a lot more likable than Brady ever was for most fan bases, as long as you're on the AFC West. But oh. I think it's I think it's kind of a polar opposite if you kind of look at it. Because nobody really likes Mahomes' wife. But everybody loved Giselle. So I think the non-football player being the one hated, it's kind of fitting for this to... I, I still don't understand the hate for it. I really don't. It's just... I. It's a bizarre one. I mean, Mahomes, you, you can look at his family and it's, you know, crazy town, but Mahomes himself... Yeah, he's... Yeah. There was actually uh, clips of him... <laughs> Not being allowed, I think, at his own table, which yeah, I thought was know, it, it was um, like a birthday party or a celebration that um, Patrick's wife was doing in the club and he got denied. Yeah, which honestly, that might be for the best. But Jake, yeah, welcome everyone to this edition of Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, as always, joined by my co-host, Jake Miller. And Jake, we already started getting into it, but let's dive deep in deeper into it. Super Bowl 58, Las Vegas, the Kansas City Chiefs prevail in overtime against the San Francisco 49ers, 25-22. Patrick Mahomes wins his third Super Bowl MVP with a stat line 34-46, 333 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception. He also led the team in rushing with nine carries for 66 yards, just one yard short of actually having a 400-yard performance all by himself. But, Jake, I'm curious about your thoughts in this game as a whole. I I have a lot to say, but I want to let you speak your piece first. What was your main takeaways from this electric Super Bowl. My main takeaway is that it was a hell of a game. It was close like we all predicted and we both pretty much got right on for what we thought the score would be. I thought it would be Who like a nailed the game. score you, perfectly when it came to the total points. You did. <laughs> 47 on the dot. But I think that the, the 49ers, they abandoned the run game in fourth quarter and late into the third, which I don't understand why, because Christian McCaffrey was starting to get hot. You abandoned kind of like the dump and run game with Christian McCaffrey as well. Purdy at one point had thrown nine passes in a row against this defense and Spagnolo as that off that defense coordinator for the Chiefs. 
Yeah, not even some of the best quarterbacks in the league would be able to do nine passes in a row and make it look competent. Unless they got a god-tier O-line. But all the Purdy hate, I'm thinking like, he literally dueled Mahomes up until like the fourth quarter. You can't really blame everything on him. His old line got fucking killed on the right side, like what we figured. Carl Loftus, my hidden my and my X factor for the Chiefs was just destroying McKivitts, and whenever he wasn't rushing, fucking Chris Jones was destroying McKivitts. That O-line was not prepared. Uh, There were apparently some fingers being pointed at one. I think it was uh, Spencer Burford or Benford, their guard, was hung over for this game. And I'm thinking like, oh, that's wonderful. Just biggest game of your career. But, you know, they sacked the defense with Steve Wilkes, we will get to his unfortunate um, k- kicking out. But the defense held Mahomes to 19 points in regular time in the four quarters. If you can stop a Mahomes and Andy Reid led offense to 19 points in a full game before OT, you have done your job. And I understand to some degree why he, he was fired. Do I agree with it? No, but I understand why. But we'll get into that later. The Chiefs, you said it best, Mahomes got his third MVP for a Super Bowl. It's just why they didn't decide to do a quarterback spy in OT and in the fourth quarter, I have no idea. Because he, he got, what, like 35, 40 rushing yards in that one final drive in OT? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. He went half the length of the field almost just by two rushing attempts. And that Drake Greenlaw injury really fucked them. If Greenlaw had played this game, you might see a different outcome. Just because of how important he was for bracketing Travis Kelsey and stop being Pacheco and they stopped Pacheco and they held Kelsey under a hundred yards and no touchdowns. So I really don't know what to say. The Spags did a masterclass stopping Brock Purdy because we talked about this when they went against the lions, he had used his feet for the, for a massive component for their offense in that game, which is one of the few times we have seen that in his young career so far. They did not allow him to do shit in this game for trying to get rushing yards like he did against the Lions. So Spags just did great. He said it himself. They had they were a heavy zone defense in the first half. And he said, I don't remember the whole quote, but pretty much he said, Purdy was dicing our defense in the first half because he was reading our zones. Second half, they went to heavy press man and heavy man coverage. And that's where you saw Purdy have trouble. His receivers couldn't catch that well. And I'm going to say the unsung MVP for this game is going to be the two defensive backs for the Chiefs. 
which would be Legarius Dean and Trent McDuffie. McDuffie just shut um, any guy he had this game. And same with Legarius. He just shut down Ayuk. And if you sh- can shut down Brandon Ayuk, uh, that offense isn't going to be doing much. Uh, that's kind of my piece. I'll let you have yours. Well, first off, I'm going to start with the Dre Greenlaw injury. That was just, it's just a tragic injury. The guy's getting hyped up to step out on the field. He takes one step and his Achilles bursts. It was just, of all the fluky kinds of injuries you could have, that's probably the flukiest. Um, When I look at this game as a whole, Jake, it really came down to Kansas City leaned into what they are and San Francisco leaned away from what they are. Brock Purdy, like you said, at one point he threw the ball nine straight times. In the third quarter, they had back-to-back drives where they went three passes and then three passes, and that was it. McCaffrey didn't get any touches in those two drives, which to me, 22 carries for 80 yards. Yes, he led the team in catches and receiving yards. He had 160 yards from scrimmage, which was you know fantastic. But I genuinely thought it's the Super Bowl. You should probably feed him 35 times because at least in the passing game, Jake, he was averaging 10 yards a catch. As a running yeah. back, he had 20, he had a long of 24. He had that touchdown, which technically should have been called back. That was a horribly Holding. missed, ineligible man downfield. I mean, Jake Brandle was four yards down the field, ready to block. Well, it's like, bro. It was, it, it, it was an eligible man downfield and the holding on it as well. Yeah, there was also a holding as well. I mean, when it came down to this, Jake, I think. Well, my X factor for the Kansas City Chiefs was Legarius Sneed because I thought if they were going to be able to win this game, it came down to their corners. And I had told you, Kansas City was more of a press man. They were more of a man scheme as opposed to the Niners, which was a more heavy zone scheme. Kansas City tried to break tendency in the first half and it didn't work. That You were basically giving... Purdy layups that if you give any quarterback layups, unless they're like Justin Fields, Kenny Pickett, they should be able to hit them. And Purdy is accurate enough that he's going to be able to dice you apart on those quick crossers, those slants, those little skinny outs, things like that. But when you move to that press man and you allow those corners to get physical with those receivers, I mean, Ayuk is all of what six two, I think six one. He's not terribly six, one, big. One ninety five, two hundred maybe. Yeah, which Lajerry Sneed can match up with that. He's about the same size. If you allow Sneed and McDuffie to get physical with them at the line, throw them off their routes, and you you take away that first read away from Purdy, it complicates things. He has to double pump. And then you can see the inaccuracies come. You can see the pressures come. You can see the wayward passes. And that's what we saw. And Jake, if I remember right, my San Francisco, um, who was my San Francisco X Factor? I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was Jake Moody. (laughs) And 
what did I tell you, Jake? When when we were talking about the betting lines, I was saying if you're telling me with Kansas City, I'm getting the points, I'm getting the better quarterback, the better coach, the better defense, and the better kicker, which I highlighted because we'd seen Jake Moody get, miss a field goal last week, and I said or in the previous game in the conference championship game, and I had mentioned that worried me, and. He started off well with that. He set the record for the longest field goal in Super Bowl history with 55 yards. That got broken. Yeah, Butker then ended up breaking it with 57. But Jake, after that punt, that muffed punt that Daryl Luter had hit his heel, which then Kansas City recovered, next play, touchdown MVS, the 49ers drove down and scored a touchdown, and Jake Moody basically kicked that ball straight into the line. Because not only did he get hit once, it got hit twice. It got blocked and then hit on the deflection as well. And if he makes that, Kansas City then needs a touchdown and not a field goal. Yep. And because of that, we get, they drive down, tie it up 16-all. And to me, Jake, this game could have easily ended in regulation. If you had given the Chiefs 30 more seconds, I think with all the momentum they had, they were going to make it into the end zone. And they would have ended it in regulation. And Jake, first off, I do want to give a ton of credit to Nick Bosa because in the first half, he was hunting. He didn't get a sack. But the amount of pressures that he was getting on Patrick Mahomes, he was crashing down. He had three quarterback hits. He had two tackles for loss, six total tackles. But what I will say was this, Jake, and what I thought was pretty significant with this game. Nick Bosa did get into a really bad habit of crashing really hard, and he was allowing Mahomes in the second half to break, contain, and get those long runs. You think about, I, I might have been late in the first half or in the third quarter, Mahomes ran a read option. When have we ever seen Mahomes run read option with Pacheco? And Nick Bosa didn't even think about Mahomes running. He crashed so hard that Mahomes had like 15 yards before anyone knew what had happened. And so when I think about that, the defense as a whole in the first half were they were fantastic. Fred Warner was flying around Greenlaw before he was hurt. He was all over the field. I thought that Chase Young had a pretty nice day and I thought Sam Fran was moving the ball really well. They weren't getting necessarily big plays, but I thought they were being pretty efficient with, you know, runs to McCaffrey, little Passes to Ayuk or Juszczyk. Um, But I will say this. I think what really cost the 49ers in this game. Not just the third down with about two under two minutes left that Jake, if they get that first down, they basically run the clock out. Moody kicks the field goal. They can walk it off. Oh, yeah. Blitz by McDuffie that. He backpedaled and he wasn't even looking at 
he wasn't looking at Purdy. He started a backpedal, and then the second that ball was snapped, shot out of a cannon, Purdy had no chance completing that. Unless, I think even if Juwan Jennings had been open, and he wasn't complete, he wasn't wide open, he was covered, but I don't even think that even if he had been more open, that ball wouldn't have gotten to him. I think there's a chance it might have gotten picked because the other corner was in good position to make a play on that ball or at least tackle him short of the line to gain. Also, I I was curious, so I looked this up because I I would say Nick Bosa played his ass off in both halves. He was a man on a mission. He never got a sack. But I decided to look it up, and he got 10 total pressures on 48 pass rush attempts. So every five pass rush attempts, five he was getting a pressure. Or no, five, yeah. out of, five out of 24. Yeah. So, and that was, that's tied for third most in a playoff game since Next Gen Stats has been keeping a track of this since 2018. So in seven years, Tied for third most pressures in a playoff game for a single player. Yeah, he did his job. Oh, yeah. It was very impressive knowing the stats. However, I felt like there were times that those pressures still ended up leading with Mahomes breaking contain and making a play. So he did get the pressure, but it just didn't really matter. And then I also thought, Jake, that I do still have some questions about Brock Purdy. And the reason why I do is because when you look at how Mahomes played, he did not play well in the first half. By any metric, he did not play well. But what we saw in the second half is he was a little bit more contained, taking what the defense was giving him, not forcing anything. If they had to punt, so be it, because the defense was playing well. He had that one pass to Kelsey, and it just sailed on him. Kelsey was open. Just sailed on him, landed into the arms of Jair Brown, and it was a hell of a play for the rookie in a Super Bowl. But outside of that, Jake, he was more efficient rather than, you know, any deep shots, like any yellow balls that we would have seen from him earlier on in his career. And Travis Kelsey, I don't know what he said to Andy Reid after he about knocked him over. He, he almost committed assault on an elderly human being, which I could make that joke. Andy Reid is, I believe, 65. He can technically qualify for AARP. (laughs) But Kelsey in the first half, Jake, had one catch for one yard. He then went eight catches for 92 in the second half. And me, Cole Hardman. What a hell of a day for him. He had the one huge huge chunk play 52 yards now Pacheco then fumbled the next play which caused Travis Kelsey to about knock over Andy Reid and then he catches the game ceiling touchdown in overtime his first touchdown reception all year which I'm gonna get your opinions here in a second regarding the overtime, because that is another part that we should definitely talk about. But Jake, I think what I really liked about how Kansas City played is at 
once it got down to 1916, I'll be honest and say I really I was nervous, but I wasn't nervous about Kansas City winning the game. I was more nervous about if this goes to overtime, can San Francisco put a touchdown on the board? And we can real quick move into overtime, Jake. Kyle Shanahan decided to take the ball first in overtime. This is the new rules now that was implemented after that electric Chiefs Bills game in the divisional round, where regardless of who wins the toss, both teams would get to possess the ball. And Shanahan, he took the ball first because he, in his argument, he wanted to get the ball third, where if they score, Kansas City goes down and matches them, they could then win the game. Little bit of strategy with it. What did you think about his take? Honestly, I can understand where he's coming from, but when you're going against that defense, that quarterback, that head coach, you are not, you have to make the wisest choices possible. And the thing that was kind of glaring for me was. I've kind of seen reports where quite a few of the Niners players didn't realize about the overtime rules. Juszczyk had no clue. Yeah, he just thought you take captains. the ball. Yeah, he just thought you take the ball first because you score, you win the game. Exactly. So, um, I put that on the coaching staff for not getting their players ready, and Kansas City had done their job. They prepared their guys saying, like, hey, if it goes into overtime, these are the new rules because it can't happen. And you saw it happen. And when Fred Warner said, we want to receive, Patrick Mahomes looked visibly shocked when he said that because he thought he was going to get the ball first. I think and, I think if I remember right, because I, I don't know if he was mic'd up but I think he ran over to one of the coaches and he was like all excited. Like, I can't believe they took the ball. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, this is going to be interesting, but what can you do? You can only do so much before something happens or breaks down and you have to deal with it. And because of that, you saw what happened and the Niners lost. So here's my thoughts with it, Jake. First of all, you're absolutely right. If you're facing Patrick Mahomes, you're facing Andy Reid, you're facing a defense that has basically shut you out outside of a trick play touchdown and then a play that Juwan Jennings basically turned into the Hulk, which I will say this, Jake. I think if Sam Fran had won this game, yeah, we, you and I both thought Jawan Jennings would make a big play. And we, I think, Jake, if Sam Fran had won, we missed out on a Jawan Jennings Super Bowl MVP because mm -hmm. he had the same amount of touchdown passes as Brock Purdy and he had the other touchdown. 
I think he would have gotten Super Bowl MVP, him or McCaffrey, because McCaffrey played, like I said, he played really well. But going back to the overtime, Jake, when when you have all of those factors against you, you can't, and I understood the this argument. Their defense is exhausted. Both defenses are exhausted. Think about it. Kansas City had been on the field just as much as you guys had. I mean, you look at the time of possession, Jake, it was two minutes that separated them. So both defenses were tired. You also think about, you have Christian McCaffrey, you have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, George Kittle, which speaking of Debo, he, he, this is a game that he wants to burn the tape on. 11 targets and three catches for 33 yards. And he had three carries for eight yards. And Debo, there was a crucial third down drop that should have been converted. And it wasn't because he dropped it. <laughs> the curse of Josh Reynolds from the conference championship game. But I, when I look at also the arguments of the analytics say, you know, if we, if we match and if we score, they match. Well, Kansas city came out and said that, if they'd scored a touchdown and you guys had scored a touchdown, they would have gone for two. And so it wouldn't have really mattered. There wouldn't have been a third possession because you would have either won or lost the game on a two point try. I think that I'm going to put the blame on Kyle Shanahan. And I'm also going to say this, Jake, you mentioned the fact that a lot of the players did not know the rules. Chris Jones said that, Coach Reed and the coaches for Kansas City, they talked about that in training camp. Mm-hmm. So this I idea, I had heard, you know, I heard a couple media pundits say that players have enough on their plate already trying to remember play names. They should focus on run, catch, block, don't fumble, defense, hit things. Or you know, be a little bit more prepared heading into the Super Bowl, the biggest game of your guys' lives. Just saying. I think that when I look at also, Jake, the overtime plays, in addition to them taking the ball first, San Fran, you give Patrick Mahomes an extra down because they have to go for it on fourth down then. So, yep. Second down basically just becomes first down plus. And so they can run whatever they want. Like that option play on fourth and one. Mahomes could either run it or flip it to Travis or I think shovel it inside. He had a three-way option. He runs and takes off for what? I think nine yards. And then third and one, he has that 22-yard scramble, I believe. It was just one of those things that You just, when you give a team like KC, who has a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, who has arguably the most creative coach in NFL history in Andy Reid, you have to understand that they're going to figure out a way to get into the end zone. And I also heard someone say this, Jake, that touchdown to me, Cole Hardman, I wouldn't be surprised if that was their two-point play. If they had gotten into the end zone and they were going to need the two-point conversion, 
I think that would have been their two-point play. Because oh, easy. McColl was wide open. And the fact that in the last two Super Bowls, in back-to-back Super Bowls, you had three receivers, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore, and Miko Hardman, all wide open in the end zone where everything's congested and you scheme them wide open. There's not much else you can say about the excellence of Andy Reid. And I think that he's sticking around. He's sticking around. So they have a chance to do something that we have never even thought about Jake, which is a three P which we can, if you want, we can talk about that real quick. Do you think that Kansas City can three-peat? If any team could do it in the modern NFL, it would be them. Because you're probably going to get one more good year out of Kelsey. Maybe two. He did start to show his age this year. And, I mean, shit. They did well. They still have Andy Reid. They they're giving Spag, Spagnuolo a contract extension to make him one of the highest paid assistants in the league. You still have Mahomes. They are awesome at drafting. You can either get Travis Kelsey's replacement in this upcoming draft, O-line protection, and oh, let's not forget, this is probably the deepest receiver class we have had in like eh, 10, 20 years maybe. So, actually, before you continue, not to mention, Jake, you have one of the deepest free agent markets out there. Ayuk is a free agent. Mike Evans is a free agent. Calvin Ridley is a free agent. And, hey, I'm just going to say this. Remember, I did float this out going back like four or five weeks ago. Don't rule out them making a potential play. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle if you give them the right offer, would trade DK Metcalf. I can see it. But, I mean, they're only going to go up from here. They're going to get another year with to, for Rasheed Rice and another offseason for Rasheed Rice to develop. Isaiah Pacheco is still fucking awesome. You're going to get Joe Tooney back. You're going to get Charles Omenahu back. So, you won the Super Bowl and you were down one of your top two offensive linemen and one of your top three best pass rushers. Yeah, they should. If anybody can do it, it would be them. Because they're they're having all the pieces. They're having another offseason. They got a decent amount of money because they're restructuring Pat's contract. And shit. Now, the big thing that I want to ask you is, are they going to be able to afford and keep Chris Jones? Because if they do keep him, the franchise tag cost is like $32 million, if I remember right. Yeah. And so, Jake, I do think that the top priority is to secure Chris Jones, lock him down, because I know he's starting to get a little bit up there in age, but he is your best pass rusher, and we saw what he did in both the Buffalo Bills game where Shakir was wide open in the end zone and he bumps into Josh Allen just enough, drives the lineman back just enough. I think it was Deion Dawkins to 
have that ball fall short by about like five yards. And then you have him influence two massive throws that Purdy missed that he had Debo wide open early on in the end zone, shorter passes. And then I think he had Ayuk wide open in the end zone in overtime. Mm-hmm. But, and he was able to push the lineman back into Purdy and just, just affect that pass enough. And so I think that if I'm Kansas City, my top priority is trying to lock down Chris Jones long term because then you can use the franchise tag on Legereus Sneed if you want to, or what you can do, which I think when I look at the roster, Jake, I don't see really anyone else that you would use the franchise tag on other than him because everyone else, Jake, this was the youngest defense in the league. I think their Mm -hmm. average age was like 25. Chris Jones was basically the babysitter of this young team. And so I think that if you franchise tag Legereus Sneed, you sign Chris Jones. I think that it definitely with Patrick Mahomes having his contract restructured, depending on how much space you have, you could go get a Mike Evans. And I think if you get Mike Evans, that is going to be a scary addition because then you give Patrick Mahomes another red zone target, six, five physical. And not only that, Jake, you then also give him a guy who can get down the field. We've seen that Mike Evans, even though he's getting older, he can still go deep. And this team really outside of Miko Hardman, they don't have a deep threat. I know Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's a nice receiver. I'm not saying he's not. He had a, he had a touchdown that was big. He had one of the two touchdowns. And then not only that, I mean, I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling, now he did have also arguably the biggest flub of the Super Bowl where he caught an eight-yard pass and turned it into negative four. Yeah, my my dad and I were watching the Super Bowl. I was at his Super Bowl party and we watched that play. And the entire time we're like, what the fuck is he doing? Just fall down at least gain four. But no, he lost four, which was just that was a painful play to watch. Which sort of tarnished an otherwise pretty good day overall for him, even though he only had three catches. It was still pretty good. But, Jake, I do want to think about this because I did mention Ayuk being a free agent. Let's pivot over to San Francisco. They're actually, they opened up as the favorites to win next year's Super Bowl. Kansas City was second. I really don't know about that one because when I look at San Fran, this team's already on the older side. McCaffrey is going to be getting old another year older. Debo, with how physical he plays and how he can get injured, he did get injured in the Super Bowl, came back, because but his hamstrings were seizing up, which, if you know anything about hamstrings, Jake, they like to linger. And so mm-hmm. that that is something that I would be very weary of. And then Ayuk, if you, you could try and trade him 
and you can maybe get a first for him, but I don't know who you trade him to. I think if I would be any team, I would just wait for him to hit free agency unless they want to franchise him. But George Kittle, Jake, he's also going to be getting older. And when I look at this team as well, Bosa is older. Or he's going to be getting older. Fred Warner, he's still the best. But what San Fran really needs to do is address their secondary. Because they got carved up by Jordan Love. They got carved up by Jared Goff. And Mahomes in the second half was pinpoint accurate. Outside of that pick on the first series. I really think, Jake, that if I'm San Francisco, I... I'm at least considering looking to get a corner either in free agency, I trade for one, or I'm getting one in the draft. Because Agreed. Jair Brown played well. Tashawn Gibson is ancient. And Charvarius Ward is solid. But, Jake, I think Kool-Aid McKinstry is definitely in play for San Francisco in heading into the draft. Easy. But I do have a counter to that. I, I would have agreed before the Super Bowl, cornerback would have been their bigger, biggest need. But with Dre Greenlaw probably not going to be coming back until the later half of next season. Probably November, I'd say. Yeah, at earliest. It wouldn't shock me if they decide to go with a linebacker in the first round or, tri- or second round minimum. I could see linebacker first and then cornerback second or vice versa because they're going to need a linebacker to fill in for Greenlaw. Fred Warner is amazing, but that tandem is what makes that defense roll because without that tandem, your defensive backs are going to get exposed a hell of a lot more. Well, I think what I also thought was San Francisco their defense played very inspired, especially against the run. Because you think about it, Mahomes had 66 of their 130 yards rushing. Pacheco went nowhere fast. And I thought, Jake, that heading into this Super Bowl, Kansas City could have given Pacheco potentially 30 touches. Now, he wasn't terribly far off. He had 24 But the reason why I predicted that was because of the fact that when I looked at this San Francisco rush defense, they got gashed by Green Bay. They got ran out of the building in the first half by Detroit. I thought that this defense was susceptible to the run. They played extremely well against it. But mobile quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes' mobility is what killed them. And so I can understand with that, with a linebacker pick, I think you would maybe look at the second round because I did think that Oren Burks played admirably considering the circumstances. I think corner is your bigger issue because, Jake, they were targeting Diamador Lenore. He was he was getting barbecued chicken And Charvarius Ward, he's a solid corner, but he's not. He's not what Trent McDuffie or Legereus Sneed is. And keep in mind, he's a former chief. He did not play 
up to par what he did in Kansas City. I think that if I'm also San Francisco, Jake, I'd be really asking, is Brock Purdy, are you 100% sure that Brock Purdy is the guy? I'm not saying you move off of him because I think Brock Purdy, he did not embarrass himself in the Super Bowl. And I did not think he was the reason they lost the game. I thought he missed plays that they had to have in order to win. But he has limitations, and I don't think that you could put the Super Bowl on lost on him. I would put it more on Kyle Shanahan because, Jake, Kyle Shanahan has had double-digit leads in all three Super Bowls he's been in. He had a 25-point lead as the offensive coordinator for Atlanta. He had a 10-point lead against Mahomes heading into the fourth quarter in the first Super Bowl, and he they were up 10 nothing in the first half. I genuinely think that I, ha- I have some questions about Kyle Shanahan in big games because I think that he gets tight, and I think that what Kyle Shanahan needs, Jake, is a quarterback that can bail him out. And I just don't think Brock Purdy is that guy yet. I think there's a chance he could be. He played extremely well coming back against Green Bay, coming back against Detroit. And I thought he played all right against San Fran or against Kansas City. But I will say this. I would not be surprised if they draft a quarterback maybe in the fourth, fifth round just because of the fact that You're not paying Purdy anything, and it wouldn't cost you anything to move off him next year if you find a guy that you think you can use that's got Purdy's mobility, that could have a better arm, maybe he's a little bit bigger. I just, I don't rule that out, but I think that... You mentioned that. I'm going to throw two names out for you, then. Because you mentioned mobility, and you mentioned an, an arm... That's either on par with Purdy or better. There are two quarterbacks that come to my mind when it comes to the later rounds. And I love, I know you like Michael Pratt, but he's not mobile. He's a, he's a little less mobile than Purdy. If I had to give two quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler and Travis Hunter would be the two I would look at. Travis Hunter. Go that oh, not Travis Hunter. I always get that. Um, the Florida State kid. Oh, I know his name. I'm blanking. The one on that right got now. injured. Yeah. I think you go one of those two guys because they're both mobile. Rattler and the other and the FSU kid have a good arms. They're mobile and they're experienced quarterbacks. And we've seen Shanahan work with lesser quarterbacks. I mean, shit. He made fucking. Jordan Travis. Um, that's who it was. Thank you. Jordan yeah, I knew his name. Jordan Travis. Yeah. I think one of those two would be something you could look at for those guys, but it I don't know if they will draft a quarterback. I'm also not gonna rule out, just as a recommendation, I'm not gonna rule out Sam Hartman of Notre Dame. I just think that he is also a quarterback that you could keep a look at. Keep an eye out in the later rounds. I'm pretty sure. 
He so he will be coming out for this draft. I think you could maybe get him in the third or fourth round. I think maybe if you're lucky, you could get him in the fifth, but I would probably say more likely the fourth round. He's got a solid arm. I didn't watch a ton of Notre Dame recently, but when I did watch, I thought he played very well. He played well in Wake Forest as well, considering what he had around him. I just think that you have to... I'm not saying Purdy can't play because we've clearly seen that he can play. He is a very solid quarterback in this league with the pieces around him. All I'm saying is that remember how Purdy got his job injuries. And we've seen that Purdy, he, he did get hurt. And we now see Jake, that backup quarterback is a valuable commodity in this day and age. I, I wouldn't say that Sam Darnold is my guy that I would be wanting to use as my backup. I would probably want to get another guy in there, compete for the backup job, and potentially have a better arm who's less reckless, who's less instinctual, and plays less hero ball. But Jake, I do want to ask you this, because obviously with Mahomes winning his third Super Bowl, third Super Bowl MVP. He's won two MVPs. A lot of talk has been, is Mahomes the GOAT? Now, I have my thoughts on this because we you think about the GOAT, Tom Brady, or if you prefer, Joe Montana. Where do you stand on this debate? And do you think that Mahomes needs another Super Bowl, another MVP, more stats. Where do you think, and do you think that Mahomes can become the GOAT? I think it's definitely a possibility because if you look at everything he's done so far, he's done phenomenal work with every year he's been a starter. And I mean, shit, if any quarterback was going to challenge Brady and all of his records, it would be Mahomes because Mahomes has shown legit playability as one of the best quarterbacks of all time already. He's probably already, in my opinion, I don't know if I could put him as the GOAT, but minimum, you could put him as a top five quarterback of all time. Absolutely. Because there's been only, if I remember, I saw the stat that only five or six quarterbacks in all of NFL history, NFL history have won more than three Super Bowls. So looking at that as a kind of a case-by-case basis, I would say he's better than Bradshaw. He's, I'd probably put him third best of all time right now. But if we're just looking at his body of work and what he's done in the first seven years, you could easily make an argument for him being the GOAT. I think it's like a 2A, 2B, him and Montana. Then Brady's still at the top. But he's looking down and seeing Mahomes or Kermit the Frog climb really fucking fast. Exactly. And so, Jake, here's my thoughts on this. So I think that right now, Tom Brady is still the GOAT. I and I say this as the furthest thing from a Brady fan. I can't stand Tom Brady. I think he's funny now that he's, you know, out the league. But when he was in the NFL, I 
there was very few players I despised more than Tom Brady. But I do think that if anyone could become the GOAT, it is Patrick Mahomes. Because I think that if he does three-peat, Jake, that would be four rings in five years in a six-year span, technically. And not only that, he would be the only quarterback to have ever three-peated. He'd probably get another Super Bowl MVP, which would put him with four. You think about it, Brady had, well, I believe Brady had five? Four I believe five. so, yes. Because, yeah, I believe he had five because, if I remember right, Edelman got one two, of them. The other two were Edelman and Dion Branch, which yes. I do. Yeah. And so I think that Mahomes, if they win, he'll probably get Super Bowl MVP. And here's the other thing, Jake. I think right now, Mahomes, the amount of stats that he has aren't quite comparable to that of Tom because Tom played for 23 years. Though I, I don't think Mahomes needs to play for that length of time. We have to remember, the kid's only 28. He's only, th- he's only what, four, three and a half years older than me? What, he's maybe like a year older than you, I think? Mm-hmm. Year and a half, maybe? He's not very old. And so, and he's just entering his prime. Now, I think a big factor in this is how long will you have Andy Reid for? I think Andy Reid's probably got about four more years in him. If everything, you know, health related, it goes well. I do think he'll have Kelsey maybe for this upcoming year and then that's it. But I think by that time, they should be able to potentially either have drafted a guy that Kelsey can mentor or they'll be transitioning to more receiver than tight end dependency. But I think, Jake, as far as the GOAT conversation goes, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If you want to put Mahomes two right now, I can't doubt it because I also look at, obviously you could look at the stats. You, a lot of people break it down to rings, but that, that example is awful because if that's the case, Michael Jordan would not be the goat because he only has six. Bill Russell almost has double him with 11 in the NBA. So it's not the rings. Isn't, the end-all be-all, no matter how much people want to think that. And I think also part of it is the eye test. And when you watch how Mahomes plays, the pure talent, the gift, the pure gifts that this guy has, he can do almost anything that Brady can do. And he can also do a ton of things Brady could never do. And I think the same with Montana. Montana wasn't mobile. Like Mahomes, he wasn't really mobile at all. And Mahomes, I think, has a bigger arm than both Joe and Brady. I think that when you think about all of the unique tools that Mahomes has, we've seen that after the first Super Bowl, everyone said, oh, can't win with Ty- without Tyreek. One without Tyreek. Eek. And his receiver one was Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju leaves, and their number one receiver is what? Rasheed Rice, I think. And he was a rookie. And then they win the Super Bowl. 
I think that what we've seen is that Mahomes is able to overcome less than opportune circumstances. And when I think about what we're seeing moving forward, I think there I think the AFC Championship, you can almost pencil in Kansas City. It's just a matter of who's going to be facing them. Are we going to see Baltimore? Are we going to see Cincinnati? Are we going to see LA Chargers? We could it one spot for the AFC Championship game pretty much is already taken every single year by one team. It's just a matter of who's facing them. And I think that if Mahomes is able to keep up even this level of playoff success where he's making it to the AFC championship game every single year or almost every single year, I think he will amass a big enough body of work. I think that when all is said and done, Jake, when he does retire, we will be talking about him as the GOAT because I think that he could get to five rings and with five rings, potentially five Super Bowl MVPs, I think he'll have probably another regular season MVP or two. And then you'll also think about the eye test as well. The way you watch him and it doesn't look like he's trying. I think that we will see Patrick Mahomes become the GOAT. Oh, easy. I would say if he gets one more Super Bowl and one more MVP in his career, I don't think he can deny it at that point. Even though he at that point he'd still be three rings less than Brady, he's done what in seven years, six as a starter, that no other quarterback has ever been on this pace before. The, and remember- if you also... Brady had a 10-year drought where he didn't win yes. any Super Bowls. And I think the longest you'd probably see Mahomes go without just going to a Super Bowl would probably be two years. Maybe the year he loses Travis Kel- at the year after Travis Kelsey retires or Andy Reid retires. But I think you could literally throw in any good offensive-minded head coach for that job after Reed retires and you're still going to probably win a fucking Super Bowl or if not go to some. Would you and like would you like some Nathaniel Hackett in there? Nathaniel Hackett would fuck that up. He could fuck up almost anything. I think that's the only person that could ruin a good thing like Patrick Mahomes is Nathaniel Hackett. Though Josh McDaniels and Luke Getze could make give him a run for their money. Easy. But, Jake, I do think that we do have to talk about the fallout because of San Francisco losing the Super Bowl. Steve Wilkes moves up, is moved off of after one year as a defensive coordinator. Kyle Shanahan sort of saying that he's doing this in the best interest of the team. Uh, I'm going to let you go first because I have... I, I do have a couple things to say on that, but go ahead. Okay. So I did mention earlier, I understand both sides of the coin of why he should have been fired and why he shouldn't have been fired. I'm more on the side that he shouldn't have been fired, but I think 
three things. First of all, Shanahan wants a guy that he can control. He wants a yes man. And I think after D'Amico, he wanted that yes man because he wanted to just focus on the bigger picture. But because of him not getting a yes man to Steve Wilkes, because Steve Wilkes is a very strong-natured, outspoken guy. He is, I'd say, a little less bolsterous and out loud He's than more Mike stoic. Grable. He's more stoic, yes. but he, he does, he, he commands attention. Yes. And yes, you lost D'Amico Ryans, and obviously D'Amico is a better defensive coordinator than Steve Wilkes. I think we can both agree to that, right? I, I would argue this because I did want to bring this up. If you do look at the stats from D'Amico and Steve Wilkes, they gave up less points, less yards, and they got more turnovers under Steve Wilkes than they did in D'Amico's last year. Which is fair. But the reason I think D'Amico's has a slightly better is because he can motivate the team better than Wilkes. Wilkes could motivate the team. But what really, I think, screwed him out of this, or getting unrightfully shit-canned, was he is a DB specialist. That has been his calling card ever since he's been in the league. He's never really been known as a front seven, specifically a pass rush guy. D'Amico was good at all units of the field. While Wilkes is more of a, like I said, a cornerback or defensive back specialist. And you saw a bit of a disconnect between the defensive backs and the front seven. And because of that disconnect, you saw some plays that probably shouldn't have happened. But you still had a top five, top six unit uh, for your defense. He held... Mahomes, like I said earlier, to 19 points until OT. He had done his job in multiple facets, in multiple big games. And I'm in the crowd where I'm not a fan of him being fired. Do I understand it? Yes. But I think he's a bit of a scapegoat. And Shanahan, like I said earlier, wants more of a yes man than than a stoic type guy. Well, so when you look at the previous defensive coordinators that Kyle Shanahan had, Robert Sala, very loud, intense, passionate. D'Amico Ryans, loud, energetic, passionate. Kyle Shanahan is very stoic, very nerdy, like genius, boy wonder. And that's what Steve Wilkes is. So you have too much of the same personality. And what Kyle wants is the opposite personality of him. Now, I will say this. When he talked about, you know, you know, losing Robert Sala in that, at, you know, comp, in that press conference. You didn't lose him. He got a head coaching job with the Jets. He would have come back if he had not gotten that. D'Amico, he would have come back if not for getting a head coaching job with the Houston Texans. You didn't lose. You, you didn't like move off of him. You didn't lose him. He ended up getting a job. 
And so when I think about Kyle Shanahan, I think that this is absolutely a way to deflect blame. And Jake, Steve Wilkes has gotten more raw deals than anyone else as a coach. You think about what you had with when he was Arizona's head coach. He got one year with Josh Rosen, a man who probably works at White Castle now. He got fucked with that. He got massively fucked with that. If he had a legit quarterback, I would have loved to seen him what I think he would have done better with Kyler Murray than fucking what, uh, whatever the hell the hack Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to mention him here in a second. And then he goes to Carolina defensive coordinator. He ends up taking, he ends up taking over after Matt rule gets fired. And he had them winning games. And he gets passed over for Frank Reich, who gets fired 11 games into the season after one year. And not only that, and then he gets scapegoated after a year where his defense statistically performed better than D'Amico Ryan's because he wasn't. Kyle Shanahan's first pick. Kyle Shanahan, you gave up. I said it earlier. You gave up a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl because you didn't run the ball. You gave up a 10 point lead in the Super Bowl to Mahomes the first time. I don't care if Jimmy G missed that throw. You were up 20 to 10 and your defense gave up a 21 to nothing run in the fourth quarter. And then you were up 10 nothing in the first half. And you could have slammed the door shut on Patrick Mahomes if your genius offense had actually done, I don't know, anything. And then, and then in the third quarter, Christian McCaffrey doesn't get a single carry. That is all on you. That's not on Steve Wilkes. And speaking of Cliff Kingsbury, Jake, I've never seen a man. So god awful, get more promotions than him. He fails at Texas Tech, gets a job with, um, with Arizona. Then goes to then goes to USC and is the offensive coordinator there, and then gets an offense plays. You know, cool. You had the number one offense in the country and. One nothing. And then he gets the offensive coordinator job with Washington, which also, might I add, is probably going to make a run for the first overall pick to get Caleb Williams. I have never seen a man fail upwards like Cliff Kingsbury has. And he knows it. He knows how fortunate he is. And it's all about who you know, not about what you know. Because clearly, we know that he done no shit. He got a job with Arizona. He got the head coaching job because he had coached Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. Well, guess what? Kyler Murray got your ass out of there because he was done with your shit. 
I just, I, I hate this for Steve Wilkes because he has shown that he is a good coach. And yet he has constantly been getting railroaded at every single turn. I, I would love for him to fall with. And the worst part is, Jake, is there's no more defensive coordinator jobs that are open right now. So he'll have yep. to be either a position coach or an assistant, which is just so wrong on so many levels. And I just, I hate it. I, I really hate it. I just, you cannot have a coach of his caliber. You can't let a coach of his caliber have this happen to him. But Jake, we're, as we're starting to wind down a little bit on this podcast, I do want to ask you about sort of this season as a whole, because this was a season that had a lot of twists and turns where we had a lot of injuries. We had a lot of backup quarterbacks. And I think that's what I want to pose with you, Jake. Do you think that the backup quarterback job has become the most, the second most important job for a NFL roster over the left tackle. Because I understand, you and I both understand the value of a left tackle. Because unless you're Tua or a left handed quarterback, in which case it's the right tackle because that protects your blind side. I think that you could make a case that backup quarterback has superseded left tackle as the second most important position in football because we've seen star quarterbacks get hurt and backup quarterbacks be thrust into action. I mean, Cleveland lost four quarterbacks. They had to call Joe Flacco out of the carpool lane. You see Minnesota. They had, if I remember right, four different quarterbacks. You had Arizona have, what, I think three or four different quarterbacks. You had Seattle had to go to a backup. You had, you had so many teams have to use a backup quarterback. I, do you think it's out of the realm of possibility that if you have a set starter in place, like say you're, I don't know, say you're a Chargers fan, Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, say you're a Los Angeles Chargers fan. That was exactly what I was going to say. If Herbert goes down, are you really wanting to march out Easton's stick again? I genuinely think that you're going to see teams in the third, fourth round draft quarterbacks because you have to run the risk that your quarterback might miss time. So on that point, I wouldn't say it's the second most valuable position in the league. But third or fourth, I would definitely say it is because of this year. It was literally the year of the backup quarterback. And it's something that I think backups are going to get paid a shit ton this offseason. You're going to see Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett be kind of like, and maybe Mason Rudolph kind of like get heavy contracts, probably like two years or even one year. 
a backup quarterback is probably going to average ten million a year for like the elite backup quarterbacks, quote unquote. Tyron that would be like a lo- yeah, that would be like a low end starter or a stopgap. You're going to see them earn eight to twelve mil a year, and it's going to be like, damn, he's getting paid ten mil to hold a fucking clipboard. They're going to be doing their Charlie Whitehurst impersonation. Good old clipboard exactly. Jesus. But I, the reason why I bring this up, Jake, is because the Chargers, when they lost Herbert, they were essentially dead. I mean, granted, they were dead before, but they, they at least had a somewhat of a pulse. That pulse died once Herbert was completely out for the year. Joe Burrow, even though Jake Browning did perform admirably i think he earned himself potentially a payday oh browning will be another one of those guys that's probably going to get five to seven mil minimum if that is if cincinnati doesn't lock him up i think that you know you also think about the bears i mean we had jake we that was another thing during the season we had a non-division one quarterback start a game and win Tyson mm-hmm. Bajant from Shepard. And I mean, and he even he played well in spurts. He had a lively arm, but I just look at this, Jake, and I think that backup quarterbacks are going to be so needed now because it's one of those positions that you don't think about until they are thrust into action. And this year showed us how valuable they can be. I mean, the Steelers almost made the playoffs with one. And I mean, they did make the playoffs. Yeah, they made the playoffs with one. And so it's just things like that. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, Jake, Trevor Lawrence, he was injury riddled all to hell. Now he played through it, which you can argue the logic in that. But I mean, CJ Beathard, is a name that is still on an NFL roster. You think that Jacksonville, if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt again early in the season, they don't want to have a potential rookie or a guy like a Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby Brissett in the wings waiting just in case? Bring Minshew back. I I could honestly see it. I think that... I think that Florida fits Minshew well. He sort of looks like the kind of guy that would be. I mean, the man lives in a van mm-hmm. in the offseason. So <laughs> fuck it. Have him be the backup quarterback for the Niners. I, honestly, I I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle would love that because Minshew can move around a little bit. So, I mean, he had two rushing touchdowns against the Cleveland Browns defense on read options which is a phrase that I don't think anyone would have ever thought, but it really happened. But Jake, I think that's going to wrap things up for this version of Run Past the Brain Cell. Thank you all for listening. You can check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow so you never miss an episode. And Jake, do you have anything else before we sign off? Get ready for a lot of off-season content. And for shit to happen, because we're getting the combine at the end of the month and we're getting the draft in two and a half months. 
and fridge she's gonna hit here very soon and we're gonna have a lot to talk about yeah we might have to have a few emergency podcasts in case some big names move around but until then uh for jake miller i'm adam skirko we'll see you next time take care take it easy